Welcome to Between the Headphones, a Georgia sports podcast. I'm John James, sports editor at the Red and Black, and your host for this podcast series. Each week, I'll talk to Red and Black sports reporters to get the pulse of UGA athletics straight from the source. This week, I'll be joined by assistant sports editor Owen Warden and Red and Black football reporter Samuel Hayes. Welcome back to the show, Sam. It's always a pleasure to be here, John. So we're going to review the offseason a little bit. Georgia entered the offseason coming off of a resounding national championship victory. But with that said, they were also expecting to lose a few players in the offseason. Who were some of those key departures that left the team in the spring? So there were two big guys that left for the NFL that I felt like I had to know, had to name. Uh, in my opinion, the biggest departure is the man under center, the one that was commanding the offense through two national championships in Stenson Bennett, who is now with the Los Angeles Rams. I'm not going to say that there's going to be this huge drop-off from Bennett to Beck, but I do think there is going to be a little bit of a grace period where Carson Beck is still trying to get his feet underneath him, um, where we didn't have to deal with that when Stetson, Stetson, oh, Stetson Bennett the year prior. Uh, the next on my list is uh, the newest member of the Philadelphia Bulldogs and Jalen Carter. Now, I, th- I think we still have some pretty gnarly depth in the interior defensive line for Georgia, but let's be real here. It's a, it's a top 10 NFL draft pick. That's some talent you wish you still had on your team. Uh, there are a couple other guys that went to the NFL that I felt still deserve their flowers. Darnell Washington, Nolan Smith, Robert Beal, Chris Smith, Kenny McIntosh. Those were just some of the guys that went to the NFL that I think uh, need to be mentioned. Um, another kind of way I wanted to go with it is just talking about who left in the transfer portal, and I have two names for that as well. Uh, the first one I wanted to bring up was A.D. Mitchell, who swapped the red and black for the burnt orange. I thought he probably would have been one of the biggest benefactors in the shift from Bennett to Beck, um, but he decided Quinn Ewers was the quarterback that he wanted to play with. And then the other name that I had on my list is Bear Alexander, who is now at USC. Going into G-Day, I thought Bear Alexander was going to be a huge piece for the team, but unfortunately he decided to go out west and let up 28 points to San Jose State. So between all of those many departures, if you had to pick one position group that you would say was the most uncertain, that was left the most in the wind by losing those players, what would it be? I have to go with the running back room. Uh, I think the departure of Kenny McIntosh is going to be very big. Um, And then I even think the news that broke uh, with Branson Robinson being out for the whole season, I think that just adds a level of uncertainty to the running back room. Um, I think it's a safe assumption to make that Kendall Milton is going to be taking a majority of the carries, but I still think that guys like Dejon Edwards, Roderick Robinson, Andrew Paul, and Cash Jones could all get some major touches this year. Um, And especially just looking at the running back position in general, there's a possibility of injury. There's a possibility of lackluster play. And I think we could see a lot of those guys get some significant touches going throughout the season. I also just want to highlight the defensive backs room. Keely Ringo and Christopher Smith were just such integral pieces of of that secondary for both national championship runs. And without them, Georgia has a lot of questions to answer in the secondary. But moving on, there were also a number of returning players to Georgia who should make an impact next year. Who are some of those guys? 
So if we're going to talk strictly offensively, there were two pass catchers that caught my eye, and I'm pretty sure we can all guess who that first one is going to be, and that's Brock Bowers. I think he's one of the biggest assets that the Bulldogs possess on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the next one that I wanted to mention was Lad McConkey, who is right behind Bowers in the receiving yards list and also tied with him touchdown-wise. I think both Bowers and McConkey are going to be you know, huge, huge pieces for Carson Beck. Uh, another name on the offense that I wanted to mention was Cedric Van Pran. I think just having that veteran leadership up front is going to be super beneficial for Carson Beck. Um, and then looking defensively, I'm just the biggest fan of Smile Munden Jr. Um, so I think him coming back, trying to replicate a season as trying to be the leading tackler for the team uh, is going to be awesome as far as a key returning player. I also want to mention just the defensive line as a whole. They lost Jalen Carter. They lost Nolan Smith. But some of the guys that have been on that defensive line for years, Warren Brinson, Zion Logue, Nazir Stackhouse, I think they're going to get the opportunity to really show what they can do without star talent like Jalen Carter to to take up all of that national attention. But speaking of the defense, they've got a lot of new faces this year, a lot of new guys who want to make an impact, who want to show they have a role in the defense. Who are some of those people, the new guys on the team that you're watching out for? All right, so two guys that I think are going to be receiving a pretty decent amount of playing time this year on the defensive side of the ball are going to be Marvin Jones Jr. and Chaz Chambliss. I think both of them off the edge is going to be very exciting. I think it's going to be a bit of a steep decline from Nolan Smith and Robert Beal, but I still think that both of them possess the talent to kind of replicate that similar success. Um and then offensively, I kind of just wanted to mention Dominic Lovett. He's a new addition to the team. This is a guy that posted 56 catches, 846 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. I think that he could replicate, if not even smash his last year's totals uh, this coming season. So just kind of wrapping up about the offseason in general, who was the biggest surprise in your eyes? Who jumped out off the field? Who really took advantage of the spring spring practice to increase their role in Georgia's team? Well, I think if we're going purely based off of spring ball, it's hard not to say a guy like Makai Muse. I think that he is going to be making a name for himself in the return game. I think we could also see him find his way into the offense somehow, whether that be as a receiver or just whatever they decide to think up. Another guy that I personally am a huge fan of is Cash Jones. I think he's a great pass catcher out of the backfield, and I really think that he could see himself getting some pretty significant touches this year just in case the running back position does run a little thin. Um, but, yeah, those were two guys just off of the spring that I'm a little excited for for the season. I do think it's interesting that going into G-Day, a lot of the buzz on the, around the team was about some players who won't actually be on the field much for Georgia this next season or at all in some cases. Uh Branson Robinson had a lot of buzz surrounding him. He's going to miss a season with an injury. Mm -hmm. Bear Alexander had a lot of buzz around him. He's going to miss a season because he's not with the team anymore. Mm -hmm. Smoke Bowie had a lot of buzz around him. He's going to miss a season because he's not with the team anymore. So there are a lot of openings on this team for players to step up and show what they can do. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it all unfolds. I completely agree with you. Regardless, thanks for coming on the show, Sam. It's always a pleasure to be here. Now, 
will be joined by assistant sports editor Owen Borden to preview Georgia's season opener against UT Martin. Thanks for coming on the show, Owen. Great to be here, John. So, I want to start with the opponent because a lot of people don't know much about UT Martin. Georgia's never faced them in history. This is a brand new matchup for a lot of people. What do people know, need to know about the Skyhawks entering week one? Well, I mean, they, they played pretty well. Uh, they're not anything too crazy of a team, not a Division One team, uh, or I should say an FBS team, but still pretty solid season last year when they went 7-4. and four, uh, They went undefeated in their conference, uh, and they had a couple players that were pretty impressive. Uh, Dresser Wynn uh, led the team in passing. They had uh, a guy named Zach Wallace, who's no longer with the team anymore, but led the team in rushing. Um, and Kirby Smart himself has said the team looks very similar schematically to them, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So very similar type 3-4 zone matchup type system on the defensive end. Um, and on the defensive end itself, they got a guy named Dalen Dotson, led the way with nine sacks last year. He is back with the team, unlike the previous two names I dropped. So you got a couple players, you got a couple stats, a couple things that are interesting. Um, but as far as an opponent for Georgia, nothing stacks up crazy, but a team with some talent for sure. They definitely have a little bit of talent all, all across the roster, um, but I want to know more specifically, how have they done when they faced p- opponents outside of their conference? How have they had, had to do when they when, when they explored outside of the Ohio Valley Conference? Well, I'll be honest, not great. Uh, they played an SEC opponent last year, uh, and it wasn't a great one to play. It was Tennessee, uh, who, of course, as we all know, was at one point ranked number one uh, last year, uh, and they lost 65-24. to 24. Not a great finish. Uh, they still got 24 points, and that's nothing to sneeze at, uh, but they did allow the dyna- most dynamic offense in college football last year to hang 65 on them. So could have been worse is kind of the best way I can think of it. Um, Hennon Hooker and, and Jalen Hyatt went crazy. 276 passing yards for Hooker, 176 receiving yards for Hyatt, plus two touchdowns for Hyatt. It, it's just... You know, I mean, not bad, not great. You know, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. They could have scored nothing. They could have allowed Tennessee to put up 90. So, with all things considered, not the worst. To make matters worse for the Skyhawks, they are going to be missing a lot of talent along that offense. They lost their starting quarterback. They lost their leading rusher. They lost their leading receiver. They're starting a brand-new quarterback on Saturday, and Kincaid Dent. What can you tell me about the Ole Miss transfer? I'll be honest, not much. Um, He's taken about nine snaps of playing quarterback in his career, um, and most of his game film is him holding kicks. So good chance he does that on Saturday for UT Martin, which, you know, Stetson Bennett did all of last season, so it's definitely something that the starting quarterback can do. Uh, But a three-star prospect coming out of high school you know his film wasn't crazy you know but seemed like a a serviceable type player and you know I mean he could he could be he could be good um he's fairly athletic he can move a little bit but overall I mean nothing really crazy but again we really haven't seen him play much college ball he's been sitting in that Lane Kiffin offense out in Ole Miss for a while now and again holding kicks so Honestly, we're going to find out a lot about Kinkhead Dent this weekend of what he's like as a quarterback. So 
truthfully, I can really just tell you the past, and, and we're going to have to really see his future on Saturday. On the topic of finding out new things about unexperienced, inexperienced quarterbacks, Georgia will also be starting a new QB of their own. What does Carson Beck need to do in his first start to really make Georgia fans feel confident and trust him as their signal caller? Oh, for Georgia fans, be perfect. Uh, be absolutely perfect. Make no mistakes. Uh, I kid, obviously, but there is some truth to that. I think he needs to play good football. I think he needs to play strong football. Uh, and I think he does need to play clean football. Um, turnovers, especially, some, that, those were kind of what plagued him, especially that redshirt freshman season where he came in every so often and got a little bit of run here and there. That kind of hurt him. Um, that hurt a lot of people's perceptions of him. And he really needs to clean that up. He really needs to tighten that up. But if he's making big-time throws, if he's wowing the crowd, you know, if he's just calm and precise in the pocket and running up the score a little bit against this, this non-Power 5 team, then, yeah, I think Georgia fans will be bought in. I think he just needs to be... I think he needs to play a clean game, but he also needs to put up some numbers, especially because... This isn't an Oregon. This is not a Clemson. This is a UT Martin. He needs to play really well. And if he plays at all disappointing, Georgia fans are probably going to let him have it on Twitter. On the other side of the ball, Georgia will also be running out a couple of new players who haven't gotten as much playing time in prior seasons. Who are you keeping your eye on on Saturday defensively? Well, defensively, and I'll give a few names, two guys that I think it'll be hard not to keep an eye on are Michael Williams and Malachi Starks, they're really talented players going into their second year that are likely going to get a lot more run. Uh, but two guys that I am keeping an eye on, one I'll actually give a name, is that, and that's Marvin Jones Jr. He's likely going to be starting on the other side of Chaz Chambliss. I want to see how he does. Five-star pass rusher. The pass rush unit itself is in question, and I want to see what he's got. I want to see what he has. He's, he's a really talented player athletically, but he dealt with a lot of injuries last year and never really popped off like we thought he could. But he was young. He was a freshman. It's another year. He's had another year to work on himself. I'm curious to see if he's going to be able to play well, you know? I am personally just watching the entire secondary as a whole. I am so intrigued by that unit going into the year. I think there are safety positions up for grabs. I think there are cornerback positions up for grabs. I think if, depending on how Kirby wants to align that secondary, there might be the star position up for grabs. So I think there are so many ways that that's the secondary and that defensive backs group could shake out over the course of the season. And I think game one will give us a hint of what Kirby Smart is feeling early in the year. I completely agree, and especially because we don't even really know who that other cornerback is. We've kind of figured out that Kamari Lasseter is going to be back, that he is going to be playing, right? So we know one of those starting spots is locked up. We thought two might be available depending on his health, but Kamari's likely going to be back. We're hearing a lot of different names. We've heard we've heard some of the freshmen, you know, your guy, AJ, and, and we've heard a little bit of, of Julio Humphrey, my guy, and, and we've been expecting it between a battle of Nyland Green and Dalen Everett, and yet two other guys have popped up. I don't know who out of that four is actually going to be starting, and heck, we don't even know who's going to be the starting kicker at this point in the season. So there's still a lot of confusion. There's still a lot of questions. But, I mean, the secondary is a hard group not to keep an eye on. All right, Owen. We've talked about Georgia. We've talked about UT Martin. Now I want to get into wild card time. What is your biggest question about Georgia? What's your biggest burning need-to-know question 
about the team entering the game on Saturday. I mean, we. I mean, honestly, it probably is that secondary unit, but we just spent a lot of time talking about how many questions there are with that. So I think I'm actually going to go with the left tackle. That's another burning question for mine and for me. And it feels like for a long time it's been Ernest Green, and I think it should be based on what I've been seeing in practice and and how talented I do view him as a player. Even though he did come in as a guard, and he might and some might consider six four, Ernest Green's height a little bit small for a tackle, but I think he's athletic enough. He's got fast enough fast enough feet, which is something that Van Pran talked a lot about. Um, Cedric Van Pran, for that reference, it's something that he's talked about a lot, and it's something that I think Ernest, which sets Ernest Green apart from a guy like Austin Blasky, who's the other dude that could take over. So, you know, I think it's interesting where that position battle will finally shake up. Are they going to do a rotation type of thing like they did last year? You know, I mean, the rest of the unit is pretty solid, but without having officially named a left tackle, can't help but have questions. And Georgia has a history of really good offensive lines under Kirby Smart. Last year, they were the runner-up for the Joe Moore Award, given to best offensive line in the country. So I think if there's something that you know Kirby Smart wants to emphasize, it's battles in the trenches, defensive and offensive lines. So I think we're going to figure it out because Kirby Smart is going to make that a focus. I couldn't agree more, and... and You've heard from guys like Warren Brinson that he thinks the number two offensive line, the backups, the entire fi- group of five of, of them, is one of the best in the country. And honestly, I'm has I'm I'm partial to believe him. A because he's facing them every single day, but B, it's a great group. Chad Lindbergh, Dylan Fairchild, you know, uh, there's so many. Jared Wilson at center. I mean, there's so many different players. Austin Blasky, who we named. There's so many players that could make a really big impact in that second unit, and, and I wouldn't be surprised, and that's why like injuries don't really fear me too much with that unit specifically because it's probably the deepest on George's team. But still, I'm curious what it's going to look like. Absolutely. So we're getting into the moment of the truth. I want a game pick from you, and I want to know your offensive MVP and your defensive MVP. Game pick, i got to pick Georgia. I'm thinking probably 56-14. That's about that's about what I'm feeling. I think I think I think Kink had dent, especially because there's not a lot of film on him. There's not a lot of stuff that you can read. This defense is is a little bit hurt, you know. It's still coming together. I think they might get a couple on Georgia, um, you know, seven or fourteen around that range. And then I but I still think the offense is going to roll to a strong fifty six or even more. But you know, offensive MVP. How can I not pick Brock Bowers? Feels like they're going to get him involved now and early. They did last year against Oregon could literally be anybody there's a lot of pieces on this offense but I had to pick Brock it made too much sense to me not to it 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 felt wrong to put anybody else down but defensive MVP we've talked about him already on this podcast but Michael Williams I think he's a great player and I think he's going to be a big time impact in this game um let alone this season so I think those two guys are going to be key for this game excellent I'm thinking the game might be a little lower scoring than you you but not my bunch I'm saying it's a 45-6 to six victory. UT Martin puts together a couple of nice drives, so we're just go figuring it out a little bit. But they get stopped short of the red zone, have to, have to kick a field goal. My offensive MVP, I'm going with Ladd McConkey, just because a new quarterback needs a safety blanket. That is Mr. Reliable in Georgia's offense outside of Brock Bowers, especially with the running game banged up. I think they're going to have to throw the ball. I think Ladd is going to come up big. And on defense... 
also because of a little bit of an injury situation, I think Jamon Dumas Johnson is going to have to stand out in this game because that linebacker core has been injured throughout the throughout the fall prior to the season. So I think Jamon is going to come up big, and especially if they try to if they try to ease Dent into the game by leaning on the running game, I think Jamon could come up big in that scenario as just a run a thumping run stopper. I completely agree. That's one of his best parts of his game. So. I could easily see him doing that and, and really standing out as, as a player to watch, which I think, based on all these preseason polls that everyone's been putting out, they definitely view him as one of those guys to watch. So, yeah, I completely agree with you there. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on the show, Owen. Always a pleasure, John. Thanks for listening to Between the Headphones. I'm John James. You can find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts and at redandblack.com. For even more Georgia sports coverage, visit redandblack.com slash sports. We'll tee it up between the headphones again next week.